Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Yeah, I got two of them. It's a Zoom P4 is my audio interface, and it's going into my computer. And then I just have an extra monitor here where sometimes I try to keep notes up here until I just get distracted and stop looking. What camera do you use? Uh, This is a Logitech Zoom. No, Logitech C22. Does that sound right? 1080? Is that 1080? Yeah, it's 1080p. Yeah, yeah, I've been wanting to upgrade into oh, and I got a little ring light right here. But I wanted to uh people I see people doing those DSLR cameras, but unless having an excellent video with that, but it's just I haven't gone down that road yet. I'm using uh I've got two cell phones, so I'm using my Samsung Ultra. Nice. Because the front is 12 megapixels on the front. That's impressive. Which is pretty cool. That's what I'm using right now, the high def part part of it. Looks I'm, good. Yeah, and I so I connected the cell phone to the zoom. Yeah, yeah. I've read. I thought about doing that with my iPhone, but some I don't know. Somebody told me one time it doesn't. There's still well, the iPhone is not as good because yeah, it's like, that's what I read. You might as well use your laptop. You know, now the new one is better, right? right. But the old iPhone, if it's not a 14, it's not working. Yeah. But no, that was my when I started this podcast. I knew that it didn't. You know, what do people always say? Like, oh, I'm not going to do it unless I have a five thousand dollars setup or something. But I was like, hey, I'm going to put in X amount of money. You know, all I need is a mic, that interface. I had a laptop, and I think I bought the camera to ring light since then. I was like, I can do it. You can do a podcast with any, almost anything, right? Exactly. Now. It's that that's my, the beauty of, of of the year 2022. Exactly. So that was my thing is to start the podcast, get it going, and to see what happens after that. And sounds and, good. And you know, and you know all about that too. I mean, guess we'll get this thing going though. Franco's in the house. Thanks for being here. Uh, we did come here to talk about our setups or whatever, but you know, you started your first business at 22, correct? You- I did, yeah. Well, when I grew up, I had uh, my parents came from Italy when they were young, and my father uh, brainwashed me from the time I was a kid. He said, "Franco, you have to own your own company." I'm like, "All right." <laughs> so when I turned 22 and left school, uh, first thing I did was start a company. And um, the problem is, my father didn't explain to me how hard and stressful it is to own your own company. That's I don't know how you lost your hair, Chris. That's why I lost my <laughs> stress. <laughs> I lost mine for stress. Oh. So employees, office, accounts payable, accounts receivable, capital expenditures. Oh my God, it was craziness. Uh, my first, my and it's funny because my first few companies, none of them made it. And the number one reason that none of them made it is because of me. 
And so it's like, where, wherever you go, there you are, right? Who's at the scene of every crime? You are, right? And so uh, I was seriously lacking personal growth and development. And that's what I really had to learn before my fourth company became successful. But before then, it was it was tough sledding because I wasn't great with people. I wasn't great at sales. I wasn't great at anything, to be honest. I just had the ambition. And that's fine. That can only get you so far. Sure. And I had to go learn personal growth development. I had to go learn people skills. I had to go learn, you know, skills like that to make you a successful entrepreneur. Did you know that? I mean, or is that just something you you got critiqued on, I guess, is, you know, starting a business and stuff. Yeah. Like just kind of know going through certain situations is like, oh, shit, maybe I should have figured that out better. Learned. I could have done that better if I would have known X, Y, and Z. Um, interesting. So um, that's a great question. So I'll answer it this way. Both. Okay. Okay, so A, when you lack personal growth and awareness and self-awareness and people critique you, it's criticism. It's not uh, it's not input. Okay, for you, you, you feel you're being attacked. I get that. And you repel it. When you become self-aware, oh, it's input, positive feedback for what you need to alter in your life to get to the next level. So first, when I first... When people said, Franco, you know, you're this, you're arrogant, you're that, like, whatever. What do you know? You're dumb. You know, whatever. Of course, because I'm just being me, right? Being myself in that way. And that's what happened. And then when I first took my first personal growth program and started reading books on personal growth and leadership, like John, all the John Maxwell books and things like that on leadership, then I realized, oh, it's me. It's not them. Oh, I ended up apologizing to a whole bunch of people that I treated really badly for a long time. And then it's funny, I started as one company, I co-founded with a couple of people. And as I'm going through this journey of personal growth development, we grew it in 24 months to 300 employees, almost 300 employees. It was crazy. But it's because of, I got out of my own way and I allowed people to become great, allow people to do what, what they need to do. And then go build a company and you go do what you got to do and, and make it happen. Then you can, you know, like, instead of hearing what you think people are saying, you actually hear what they're saying. Yes. And that's one of the things I see the entrepreneur. For those of, I know you have a great audience here, but by the way, I love your podcast. My wife and I love your podcast, yeah. but I will tell you um, one of the number one things entrepreneurs really require is a high level of self-awareness, especially today in the modern economy with where people are at and what people want and what they're committed to and the kind of life that they want, self-awareness is a must. So you got to really know who you are, what your weaknesses and strengths are, and do a self-analysis constantly, mm. uh, keep improving, and keep improving your people skills. That's a Oh, did you cut out? Oh, did you freeze? Oh, yep, sorry. We're back. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> My internet's been weird all day. But, uh, yeah, so it's like having these humbling experiences through life, and it's almost having an ego check. That, and I was talking about this with me and my bro, my gym bros. Yeah, my gym bros the other night. That you know, when we first started CrossFit and, and everything, that we you know we were pretty good at it. We were only pretty good within our little area here in Virginia, like I was telling you that. But we went and did our first competition, and it was like, oh, there's levels to this shit. We're not as good as we thought we are. And, you know, you have to have like taking these losses and these humbling experiences to kind of bring you back down and. And I had to learn that, okay, whoa, you know, let me be self-aware here. Let me go reflect on things I was doing and not doing and go back and like, all right, if I want to get to this 
point A to point B, this is what I got to be doing rather than just thinking that I'm a badass person all the time and just not let, you know, not having that or getting smacked in the face or whatever. Right. So that's exactly right. And well, it's interesting. Well, look, when for your case, it's like okay, you're in this so-called bubble where you're king of the hill. Right. And then you get out of the bubble. It goes, wow. It's like when an athlete goes from college, from high school to college. Yeah. And suddenly everybody's good. Like in high school, you were the best. And you exactly. get to college and now you're like, Buddy. holy crap, I'm average. Actually, it's a big problem. I was reading an interesting article about Ivy schools, about the high suicide rate in Ivy schools, because these kids were really smart in high school. They get to an Ivy League school and they're just like everybody else. Sure. And a lot of them can't handle it. They're not prepared for being average or for being the same. They can't handle it. So then you have, a, then you have an opportunity. Are you going to step up and get to the next level yourself? and challenge yourself to be better because you can, or are you going to back down and are you going to become small? Because one thing I had a mentor who taught me is in life, either we're expanding or contracting. It's like the universe. Everything in the universe is either expanding or contracting. We're the same. So either we're growing and expanding in who we are and what we're attracting to ourselves, or we're shrinking and contracting and repelling more and allowing for less in our life. And that is at every moment. And at every moment, we have the opportunity for expansion. I had a great mentor who taught me that. And so I'm always like taking an inventory, like literally you can do it minute by minute, hour by hour. Did I grow this hour? Did I grow today? What did I learn today? Who am I, who am I becoming? And a lot of times people go like months in a lull. Like they're just stuck in the same old patterns, same old ways of being. Yeah. And we, we don't have to. It's minute by minute that you can grow. And that's actually what's cool about being human is we have an opportunity to grow minute by minute. Yeah. Do you think, and I guess with society or culture today, you know, just like you said, when you saw an issue or a problem, you know, you wanted to get better at it. You know, you wanted to be the best that you can be. And and that's one thing I had to learn, you know, through my little podcast and fitness journey that, you know, not everything is just going to be handed to me on a silver platter. I have to put in work to it or whatever. But I guess, you know, like you were talking about, you know, suicide rates and like, you know, mental health, I guess, in high school there. And I've heard that, too, just that people can't handle the the pressure, you know, that they're getting nowadays. But do you think that and I guess this might not be a good way of putting that, but younger generations are and I'm only 36 or so people younger than me. Or do you think they're soft or like this? Is that what the world has become? To We're soft. Well, look, I'm not in school today. Right. But from all the friends of mine, that still have parents at that age, it's a different world. It's a different level of education. And apparently they are softer because they're not facing adversity. Sure. And I remember growing up and I always faced adversity. Like I, it was, adversity was intentionally created to make you tougher and stronger. And today it's all about, oh, you did great. You did awesome. And you know, what's that whole saying? Everybody gets a recognition trophy, right? Which is fine. The problem is when you then have to face adversity in the real world, it's hard to handle it. That's a problem. Yeah. As young people get older, we're seeing a whole generation of that now. Like I deal with sometimes them in business now because I'm, I'm helping a lot of people achieve financial independence now. It's one of the things that I do. And a lot are just one thing goes wrong. That's it. They're done. They're done. Yeah. They can't handle it. Like they literally almost start to cry. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like, and, and the reason is they can't internalize um, for them a negative result. It's almost like an attack on their character and who they are versus just someone said no to you. So that doesn't mean anything. But they can't distinguish themselves from their own identity, from their self. And so what happens when you, when you, when who you are is your ego, 
when who you are is that you can't handle criticism. You that's that's a lack. Like we said earlier, a lack of self awareness. Sure. And enlightenment is a being able to separate yourself from yourself. That's enlightenment. That's self awareness. When you can separate you from yourself, now that's a that's a that's when you can like wow okay I get this I can see the world separate from your ego. Otherwise, the ego just controls and runs the show, and you have no you have no chance. Wow, Frank, that was a, I liked the way you said that. That was really good. I mean, is that, again, I mean, kind of going back, is that another thing that through your life journey that you kind of picked up along the way? Or is that something you got out of a book? I mean, where did you, did you mentor your leadership and your entrepreneurship model out of people? I mean, I guess that's my question. Yeah, so I've done a lot. Like so for me, when I got a taste of personal growth, I couldn't get enough. Like I literally couldn't read enough books. I couldn't take enough courses. So I've had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people help me in my life get to where I'm at now. And then I got into the direct sales world where I wanted to build an organization of people that wanted to make money. Because I like to make money. Like, I'm, I'm be straight. I love to I make money. I get it. I get it. Right? Yeah. But the thing that bothered me when I built my companies was if you worked for me, you could never out-earn me. No chance. That bothered me. Because you would come into my office, can I have a raise? No. <laughs> I, I bring more, I do something, right? Like I can't, I can't do it. Like, you know, and I want, I felt, I genuinely felt bad because there's a structure, there's a hierarchy, right? In a regular corporation, it's a regular pyramid structure company. And, you know, you have an hierarchy and these people cannot earn these people. And these people cannot earn these people. It's just how it is. So when I, when I got introduced to the direct sales world, I saw an opportunity where anyone can out earn anyone. I like that model. I go, this is a great model. In fact, in the company I decided to partner with, you could out-earn the owners of the company. That's very unusual, right? And so that got me excited to be able to provide people a great opportunity, but it made me hungry to first get the knowledge and then to coach it. And one thing I've learned is once you get the knowledge and you coach it, it gets embedded in you. It's part of you. Mm. Just absorbing the information, just getting the information, Chris, it's fine. But once you start to coach it, you get it a whole other level. Now, if you haven't done something and try to coach it, there's a lot of people out there that coach and they've never done anything. <laughs> they don't get anything. Like they all they're, they're called, all they're creating is chaos and carnage behind them. And yeah. I, I, I feel sorry for the people that follow those people. But if you follow coaches, this is the best coaches to get. So I tell people that are well, listen to me. Find coaches that have done and gone to where you want to get to. That makes they're sense. the coaches you want. If they haven't gone to or done what you want to get done, they're not your coach for you. Yeah, you know, I, I majored in PE growing up, or not growing up, but for my bachelor's degree. And just to your point that, you know, there was always these, but the professors would ingrain all this that if you're going to teach PE, you almost had to look the part, right? Instead of just taking like from an old school movie, PE teacher just uh, smoking cigar. And I, they weren't smoking at school, I guess, but I had a bit beer belly and just barely could do anything. He's like, is that who you want to model after? But it makes perfect sense. Like I've learned that and just like, you know, not to put any or discredit anybody, but it's like, I'm not going to listen to you just because I want to know what the top dog is doing. Right. And like, you know, what does he know that I don't know or he or she know to, to get to where they were at? And that was one thing that I needed to ingrain on me. And just that, yeah, there was people who helped me along the way, but Hey, you know, still I had a goal in mind and just, I was kind of like you, I wanted to try, I still want to be the best of the best in anything that I do and just try to do it to the best of my abilities or what I can, can get out of it. But and then, like what you said, though, is that kind of what's led you in a bunch of different directions? Like, you know, I know you did real estate, you had sports. I think you even started in like, and what, an internet service provider at one point, too. Yeah. You just like, everything. Yeah. Look, to me, business is about 
what does the market need and how are you going to fulfill that need? That's business to me. It's really simple, right? Sure. Like it's not about to me. I don't, I never understood this concept of passion. I be passionate about this. Well, I don't know. I'm passionate about providing something people need. Sure. That's what I'm at, at a good value. So uh, back in the early nineties, um, what I realized was we didn't have high speed internet uh, or a, an abundance of it. Yeah. So I raised 40 million bucks and we built one of Canada's very first high-speed internet company back in the early nice. 90s. Nice. Yeah. And how we did it was actually cool because we didn't have the money to dig up the street. So we got robots and we put them into the sewer, laying fiber at the top of the sewer. Right. That was cool. So the city and the city let us in as long as we cleaned the sewer for them. I said, sure, we'll clean it for you. No problem. <laughs> Just let me in there. Right. It's cheaper than digging up the street. And they like that. So that's how we kind of got around in some other ways. And we, we did that and got into the tech business. And the funny part was I knew nothing about the internet business when we started. So here's another myth. You don't need to know anything. You don't need to, I, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a network guy that knows uh, networking or IT or any, or computer science. I didn't know that stuff. All I knew is how do you log on to the internet? Then how do you log off? And then you put a team of people around you that are, can can build you an organization that are smarter than you and yeah. you self-teach it and it's i was self-taught you know like today and, and this is before youtube like now today with youtube what can't you learn well there's no excuse for anybody not being successful in anything i agree i agree 100%. i don't i don't know any topic a, a school teaches that you can't learn yourself yeah i agree yeah, now, you may you may need a degree. You may need a degree on the wall to, for the government to let you practice. That's sure, different. Sure. But for the knowledge, what do you need? Yeah. So you had you had no formal like college education, correct? I went. To, I, no, I did, but I studied yeah. the most the most useless subject. I What's studied political political science. <laughs> it was the most useless subject ever in fact the funny part was my dad was a political lobbyist and fundraiser okay. so i kind of knew the the real world politics how it wink wink really worked yep so when i'm taking these classes these professors are giving us these theories i'm taking to myself not only is this a useless course a useless subject they're wrong <laughs> they're so wrong about how politics really works it was so funny it was like quite the experience i had in college well, did you find, I mean, did that even help you though with your entrepreneurial journey that, you know, there is people that say there's politics and everything, right? You know, like wink, wink, I'll help you out if you help me out. You know, just, yeah, but you, I didn't learn that. Um, you didn't learn school. that at all? No, 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 because they don't teach you that model in school. Yeah, like, I learned that from personal experience from family, people that were that I knew that were in politics and how they got deals done. I learned that from them and like, you know, how to actually lobby, what to do, and things like that. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the things that, you know, and, and to me growing up, like as far as success, that it was always ingrained on me that, hey, go to school. The more school you'll get, the better job you'll get and more money you'll make and X, Y and Z. And and that now I mean, and that's when the, the Internet started coming to be hot, I guess, like right when I graduated uh, college, you know, Facebook was starting to come out and it was already out, but it was only for college students then. And like now it's for the world. But, you know, everything started becoming big. And like you said earlier, like now you can learn anything and anything you want to as long as you don't mind sitting around and watching a couple of YouTube videos and trying things out and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And that's one thing that, you know, if somebody would ask me if I could go back in time, was like, what would be something that I would do different? And like that, if I could, just like, hey, I'll do, you know, I'll play the, uh, what do you just climb up the mountain and see how far I can get. And like, you know, like you were talking about passion or whatever. It's just like, I don't know if I, 
if I'm truly passionate about anything and, but if I knew I was going to be making, you know, X amount of money, like I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to get there, you know, just because, yeah, I know like, Hey, I, that was my motivator. And so yeah. I, I think we need to rethink education. I mean, this, like we, we needed a, a physical structure to deliver education to people. That's how, that's why we have schools. That's why we have these classrooms. We don't need that anymore. The world is different. We have technology now that can deliver education in a very different medium. Mm -hmm. And so what we used to use for education doesn't have to be that way anymore. So we're kind of like stuck in this little 19th century model of delivering education. And people are, are like feel lost in it. A lot of people like are bored every day going to school. They're just they don't see any value in it. And for good reason. Well, so to your point, Chris, it's like, okay, what am I passionate about? Well, how do you get to find that out sitting in a classroom with some professor talking to you? You're not gonna find out anything. I give you an example. I my my, my parents want to be, be wanted me to be a lawyer. They were I, you gotta be a lawyer, you gotta be a lawyer. I said, okay, let me go follow a lawyer around for a few weeks or a month. So I did that. I hated it. I go, I don't want this life. This is a horrible life. Like, imagine if I went to law school, you got my law degree, and then I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, what a horrible life. I would not want to do this. Yeah. So now we have the ability to say, okay, let me go try this. Let me go see what it's like. Not what the television or the movies like Suits tells you what it's about, right? What's it really about? What do they do every day, you know? And then you can realize, so the cool thing about today, it's so exciting because like I tell people that you want to own a business, here's all you got to know. A little marketing and finance. That's it. You got to know, you have to understand balance sheet, financials, you got to know, and you got to know, um, and you've got to know marketing. You know, those two things, you can build a company. And then the whole time, go through personal growth and development, yeah. learn people skills, learn sales skills. You do those three things, that's all you need to build any company as big as you want. Is it? And I, I can't remember where I picked this up. Somebody told me this one time that when you're building a company or a business or anything, that you're actually just building it to sell. That could be. So there's different options. You're building to sell, building to hold, right, for the cash, for the revenue, and then, then you'll have somebody else run it. Or you're building it as a legacy for your family. Mm. So there's different reasons why, and you're putting it into a trust that'll take sure. care of it and manage. So there's different reasons why you may have it. Okay, so, but you have to know that going in. It helps to know that going in. A lot of times you're not going to know, you know, uh, like what the purpose of it is. But if you're going to build to sell, there's a particular way to structure it and make it look pretty and while you're building it and how you do your accounting and things like that. So there's you have to know going in, it helps what the purpose of this company is. Is it to build it and sell it? Great. Here's what you got to do. And there's a lot of great books on it out there that will explain to you exactly how to do that. Ah, uh, so for when you were starting each of your businesses, like, would you sit down like, all right, this is going to be my goal. Like, I actually want to hold this one or I want to sell this one. Is that for what a lot of them? Yeah. For a lot of, there's a couple of where I wasn't sure. Yeah. It was, it would depend on how, if today, today I know exactly what I want. In the past, I wasn't sure. Gotcha. Like today, if a business for me isn't residual income, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in running anything. I'm not interested. I want all my income to be residual. So after I built it, I wanted to keep paying me. That's all I'm interested in. I'm not interested in, in businesses that need me. Then I've got to keep putting time and money in that if I stop, I'm no longer getting paid. That doesn't interest me anymore. Right. So what I've learned in building companies is what kind of companies to build. And I like revenue models. Not necessarily to sell, 
but to keep having the residual income keep coming in. That's the kind of models that I like. And so when you just said like knowing what type of business to build or make right now, and just with COVID that just happened and us coming out of COVID, I mean, is that something now where it's just like you should only get in certain industries or build these kind of businesses just because, you know, like real estate's super high right now, correct? And then in certain areas of the country, of course, but, you know, like it, people are out there saying, oh, we're going to go back into another recession. Maybe real estate's probably not the best time to get into. But then who was it? Who's the, uh, is it the money guy, Dave Ramsey? that was saying that, yeah, you know, go ahead and buy a house right now and just refinance it down the road. I mean, is this just the... Well, here, here's the problem. All these people, all these gurus have great advice, okay? You need to study real estate before you get into real estate, right? Learn the subject, understand it. You know, before I got into real estate investing, I took courses, I read books. Nice. I, I spoke with people that were successful in real estate, that were good at, at investing. What nice. did they do? I picked their brain. You know, and they always taught me the most important thing. You make your money before you buy. Number one lesson I learned in real estate, you make your money before you buy. Okay. And so I've, I I don't know what Dave Ramsey said. I can tell you how I was always trained is you got, you got to know when to buy and what the purpose of that real estate is. Because what, the, what you're going to use that real estate for, was it redevelopment? Is it for an Airbnb? Uh-huh. Is it for a rental? What's it for? What's it for? Yeah. That will tell you what the price will be for that and if you should buy it or not. Simple. So what is the purpose of it? And then if now, if you've got, if you understand the purpose, then you'll know if that's a good deal or not to buy it. But you make your money before you buy. Otherwise, a lot of people don't make money in real estate because they buy at the wrong time or they buy at the wrong price and they're not patient enough. What's well, one of those things too that, you know, and I don't know anything about real estate, but you're looking to catch a certain wave, right? And you want to get in on it before that wave actually breaks, I guess. Is that kind of the right analogy for it? I'll give you an example. 2000, in 2007, 2000, the economy tanked, I bought a bunch of properties, real estate properties at a fraction of the cost of today. I wish I bought even more, right? But you bought a fraction of the cost because it made sense because when I was renting them out, I was making money. Yeah. And so if you can make money, like, and you, get, you, you need to have a healthy profit margin. Everybody's got their own number. So you need to have a healthy profit margin for the property to, be, to make it worth you holding that property and making that money. So you got to know, you got to, for example, if you're going to buy an apartment building, okay, on what price, like I put the buyer's apartment building, what do I have to put in this capital expenditures to fix it up? And then what's my increase of rent? And then what's the management fee? So there's a whole formula that goes into owning an apartment building, but you got to study it. He's going to go buy an apartment building. Let me dive in and waste all my money, right? (laughs) So what's what's Warren Buffett's number one rule of of making money? What's his number one rule? I don't even know. I don't even know. His number one rule of making, he's got three rules. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you the third rule. His third rule, don't lose money. Number number two, number two. Don't lose money. Number one, don't lose, don't money. lose money. Those are Warren Buffett's three rules of making money. Because if you don't lose money, that money that you work so hard to make will always be reinvested and make you more if you don't lose it. That's why he's so adamant about that. Yeah. So just do your work, do your research, and then you'll, you'll be 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Okay. And then there's other industries like like the ones I'm in, like healthcare and telecom and gas and electricity. And like, I like I like I like industries that people need. Sure. That are essential. That's what I like. Because regardless of the economy, I'm making money. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're looking to the future, I mean, those are the biggest main factors for just life right now, correct? I mean, electricity, uh, telecoms, healthcare. I mean, that's what people need no matter yeah. what in life that to keep us going and for another X amount of time, 30, 40 years, whatever our lifespan is from that point on. So that's pretty smart to do. That's really smart actually to think about that, especially when now, I mean, does, do you get speaking of like how we were talking about critique though earlier when people were talking about electricity and like enough to actually keep the planet going and stuff. Does that make you feel weird about being in it or do you have just, continue doing your thing i mean well we're we're reselling other the large companies energy so somebody's going to get it from somebody might as well get yeah. it from us uh, i'm not i i can't worry about that uh obviously we all want a green planet we all want clean energy the question is how so i've done actually done some studying on this and it's not an easy answer like anybody that says they have an easy answer they're lying to you it's a complicated answer um you know i think nuclear is a great solution but you're going to need you know, you need governments to get off their butt and do something and invest in it. Well, what I don't understand is what we're doing right now. There's no logic to our plan. <laughs> There's no plan. Sure. Let's get oil and gas from other countries. I, I don't get it. I don't understand what we're doing. And they so they can pollute, but we're not going to pollute. Okay. Well, then how's that an answer to anything? Right. How about we come up with a solution for ourselves, make us energy independent right here in the U.S.? How about we did that in a clean way? That'd be a good solution. And I'm sorry. Batteries are not the answer. They're more toxic than anything else. So that's the part that makes me laugh. I don't get that either. So I don't know. I just think one of the things I know for sure, we lack some real political leadership here that has real answers. I'm not even sure they were, to be honest, are even interested in answers. I'm sure they're just placating the people and just doing what they want to make more money on the back end themselves. It's just me talking, but maybe I'm wrong. No, I mean, I agree with you just because, I mean, Nuclear power seems to be one of the best resources that we could go for right now. But apparently, though, just for you and I saying that on this podcast, I'll probably get like an email or something like, oh, you know, nuclear power, you shouldn't even, you know, if you say that you're a bad person, like you're labeled as an idiot or not, well, not an idiot, but just a, you're labeled as a bad person, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to say, And that yeah. you know, people don't want that. But I think it's just because, and I haven't done my full due diligence on it either, but other, other people who have or who haven't, they go after you just because they've heard another person say that it's bad, right? Well, that's the problem today. And this goes back to our educational system uh, that was created in the 1900s that we're still following today. 
that the Rockefellers, like if anybody does their homework and looks at, well, how does our educational system start? Why is our curriculum the way that it is? Yeah. Well, the reason why the way that it is is back in the early 1900s, they needed workers. They didn't need thinkers. So if you notice, our educational system is not designed to create uh, resourceful thinking people. Mm. It's designed to create drones. Okay, you need a job, off you go. Okay, uh, we don't want we want you to think. We want you to do. Exactly. That's how our educational system is created. That's what it, that's what we needed in the 1900s. But the world is different today. I agree. But we have, but the educational system hasn't changed. So when so what does it what does that lead to? People that lack critical thinking skills. Yeah. So it's so funny. That's why social media is a disaster. Like why even beyond it? I have no idea. It's a bunch of people spouting a bunch of ideas that make no sense. That no one's thought. To your point, somebody else said it, so they said it. So they think exactly. it's true. They don't do any of their own homework. They don't do any of their own research, and they don't even know how to do research. That's the other funny part. So just because some doctor said something, well, can I look at the study, please? Let me see the study. How did you do the study? Oh, it was paid by this person. Oh, got it. So it's actually biased. But people don't go to that depth because when when you are one of the things, this is one thing that political science does teach you is okay. Everything's an opinion. What's behind the opinion? What created it? Gotcha. So that's very important. You know, I've got a very successful sister. Um, she's a scientist. And she works at CERN, the Particle Collider, which is one of the biggest science places in the world. Okay. And she's always taught me about science and evaluation and research and how that's actually done. Because there is a way. There is sure. a way that science needs to be done. And it's not how most people, the general people think it is. It's very methodical. You know, there's, got to, there's a structure and a system to it. But we, for the most part, are never taught those critical thinking skills in school to even have any idea of that. So it causes, big, to your point, a big mess out there. It's just... Yeah, yeah no, I agree 100%, Franco, that it seems like that we're... That, and I'm not... I don't want to completely trash the educational system just because I was one of those guys who went through and got my master's degree and all that. But you are almost taught what to think and not how to think. And I can just remember a few certain topics, papers that I actually had to write where it actually made me go down these certain roads where I had to go research uh like for example i had to write up a, a whole analogy not an analogy a thesis about building a sports stadium in a certain city right and actually whether it's good for the city or bad for the city where most people would just say yeah do it because it's cool sports are cool right but you actually don't you don't see that oh well the owners only pay for a third of that stadium and plus all the tax increases and what it actually does to the actual city just to get the funding for just a sports stadium where the public can't even use only that professional team so it was one of those things I actually had to learn just, oh, okay, now we're thinking here. Now we're learning some more about this rather than just going along with the flow of whatever the the uh, social norm is, just to say. And that it's cool to think differently. It's fine to think differently than other people, just to have a different opinion of them in that way. Well, it, it used to be cool. I don't know if it's not cool anymore. Like now, well, you that's, that's, with, well you're right. You're, I think you we've are. Become, we've become tribal. Like either you're on this side or on this side. And if you're not, then you're just not cool. Exactly. It's very polarized now. Just, uh, yeah. So, yeah. And just, you know, like you said, you're just saying that nuclear power is good, that you're automatically put on one side of the spectrum here and like, Oh, you know, you shouldn't go that way, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, with the future, I guess, of these industries and, you know, social media and the way, you know, like electricity is attacked and, you know, uh, 
I don't know, healthcare, I guess it's in its own world, but the rising cost of it too. I mean, where do you see everything in the future going though? I mean, do you have any idea or are you just kind of going to, I mean. So I'll tell you a lesson I learned a long time ago. Okay. So if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to be ready to accept criticism. Sure. Or you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. So I'll give you an example. When, uh, when I, my first company I started was import export to Mexico. Okay. I love going to Mexico. I had a partner who was from Mexico. It was great. I had fun. But everybody told me, I was up in Canada, don't do business in Mexico. It's dangerous, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I got criticism for that. Okay, no problem. When I started the internet company, okay, now, now we know what the internet is today. Okay, you know what people told me back then when I started the internet company? What's the internet won't last or something? Don't, yeah, don't do it. It's a fad. Yeah. It's a fad. You know who told me it was a fad more than anybody else? The CEO of Bell Canada, Canada's largest telecom company, told me, and they never started their own internet division. They had to go buy it because they were so late. (laughs) They were so late. And the guy told me in a meeting, we're not doing the internet. It's a fact. We'll go away. I can't see people going online shopping. Like, what? What are you talking about? This is in the 90s, right? That's the future. So what you have to do if you're going to be an entrepreneur is you're going to have vision. You got to believe in what you're doing and you got to tune up the noise. So to answer your question, look, you got to live your life because that, that noise is just amplified now with social media and that, that stuff can get you and demoralize you, or you can just tune it out and go live your life and do what you said you're going to do and just create an environment around you that supports you. Because one thing I've also learned is the environment always wins no matter what. Mm. And so if you've got yourself an environment that puts you down, then you have no chance of surviving. So you got to surround yourself with people that are going to empower you, that are for you, that want you to win, that want you to succeed. That's the game. You do that, that's 50% of the game. 50% of the game because you got that environment around you. Then it's up to you to get the rest done. So have your vision, be clear what you want to do, tune out the noise and create an environment around you. And that's what I do. I surround myself with you know, guys like you that are up to something that want to achieve amazing things. That's why I'm here talking to you Thank because you. you're you're up to amazing things and you're doing great things. And so that's why I like to hang out with and so the rest is just noise and people spouting out stuff. Because think about it, the stuff on social media, they would never say it to you in person. No, never. The keyboard warriors. Yeah, they're not gonna say that. You see them, hey, I'll buy, I'll buy you a drink. Let's go drink. Something. That's how it is in real life, right? Yeah. It's it's what I just it's all fake. It's all that's why I laugh at it. So I tell people, don't let that get in your way. Go build your life. Go build what you got to do. Go build your dreams. You got one life. Don't. Oh, man, what's it? Go out again? Oh, now we're back. All right, my internet. You're back. Yeah, my internet keeps. I don't know what's going on tonight course but anyway um but is that what you would tell up becoming entrepreneurs i mean just i tell i look i I built a team of tens of thousands of people in my direct sales business and that's what i tell them all the time you you gotta tune that stuff out you can't now look it's it's hard sometimes because it impacts our life especially with covid was around it's going to impact your life but to the best you can you got to tune that out create a positive environment around you have a plan be clear about your plan that's another thing is a lot of people that want to go achieve goals, they're not clear in the plan. They don't have the steps. So they everybody wants to become wealthy. How sure. are you going to do it? What's your plan? Mm. How are you going to do it? Uh, I'll figure it out. Okay, good. Well, while you're figuring it out, these people are getting wealthy and you're not. Exactly. 
So have a plan. Be clear. Now, what's the best way to have a plan? Have a mentor. Because sure. if you are if you think you're going to create a plan on your own in an industry you've never made it in, good luck. <laughs> good agree. luck. That's why most companies fail. Most companies fail because they don't have the right mentor in place to guide them. Mm. Who Did you say who your mentor was earlier? Did you have a good I, I've had tons. I've had uh, a, yeah, I've had a ton of them. Actually, funny enough, one of my mentors, unknowingly, was uh, Mr. Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, one of the best-selling books of all time. Yeah, he wrote a whole series of them. Well, I just had a chance to meet with him, um, and he invited me as a guest on his podcast last week, ironically. I was a guest on his. One of the thrills of my life, uh, because he was like one of my unknowing mentors, respect him a lot, what he's done in, comp- in business and what he's accomplished and very successful man came from nothing, obviously, and became very, very successful. So uh, that was a, that was a big thrill. But he's, he was a mentor. There's a lot of people that are mentors. They don't, they don't, they don't know that I'm, yeah, uh, I'm their student. Right. And whether, and then I've got a lot of like the, 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 the there's four gentlemen that own the direct sales company. I'm like, they're my mentors. They've taught me a ton about how to lead people that don't work for you. So the hardest to lead, it's easy to, to lead employees because if they don't do what you say, you'll fire them. Sure. That, that's easy. Okay. Sure. But how do you lead a volunteer army? How do you inspire an, a volunteer army? How do you inspire people into action? And that's what they taught me. They taught me how to build an organization of people that want to achieve financial freedom but you can't tell them what to do. Like you can't be hard with them and inspire them at the same time. And that's the hardest thing I've ever had to learn. The hardest thing. Mm, I don't doubt it, man. Just building something like that with that amount of people. I mean, most people might think that's a very, to me, that'd be overwhelming. I think at first, but it's one of those things also that because it's new and right, it's a first lesson. And then you start to do it and you start to go down the road and then it starts to become almost just normal, right? That's like, you know, Correct. like people who like, you know, big comedians who start out on small stages and, you know, then they find themselves playing like Joe Rogan, like playing in arenas right now. And it's just, hey, this is just normal for me now, right? Yeah. Maybe if it's my first time, it probably would have been a little crazy. But now it's just, hey, if I'm not playing in front of 50,000 people, I mean, what, what am I doing here then? Exactly. Well, you grow and you expand, but you also learn to take the attention and focus off of you. If the if it's about you and your ego, eventually you're going to collapse. I'll give you an example. The first time I had to speak in front of 5,000 people, that was like I, I was asked to speak in front of this large group, 5,000 people. The biggest to date I, I, I was going to be speaking to. Sure. I was freaking out backstage, like freaking out, losing my mind, like hyperventilating. I don't know. I couldn't speak. I was pacing back and forth. So this guy sees me, friend of mine. He sees me backstage. He grabs me by my shoulder and he slaps me. <laughs> he goes, Franco, listen here. Pay attention. He goes, okay. I'm like, he goes, listen, it's not about you. It's about you giving these people what you have. They want what you have. Right now, it's all about you and looking good. Stop it. Stop it. Nice. These people want what you have. Go give them and teach them what you did. Because that's why they're here. They don't care about you and how you look and your suit and this and that. They care less. So right now, it's all about you. Stop it. And I, I sat back. Oh, yeah. And the minute he said that, this incredible calm just came over. me. It's like, yeah, it's not about me. They just want to hear this about the message. Yeah. I mean. It could be anybody. 
But then what they want to hear is where I've come from and how I achieved what I did. All right, let me go tell them. And that was it. And I got on stage and honestly, there was no fear, no anxiety. It was crazy. That's it's like awesome. this complete transformation in the moment. Yeah, that's one thing that I think also gets, you know, people like we were talking about, you know, they go to see a message, but they don't really maybe understand exactly why or what message they are getting. And they're just going just because it's a reason to go or whatever. And they're not reading like, it, it, I think you touched on it earlier, but you know, when people talk that they're only just trying to say whatever this is, they're like just waiting their turn to talk next, right? They're not really listening to what a person's saying. And then when they have an opportunity, like such as a mentor to listen to a message that you're saying, they're not really taking it in at the time. They're just there just kind of, playing on their phone the whole time or looking up, checking their email. And, you know, that's, that's not in the moment, but when they're like with the value of what words are getting from like yourself, Franco, it's like, wow, like I just blew that opportunity. You know, that dude just spit a whole bunch of knowledge at me and I just overwhelmed at work. And I think that's just where most people's minds have gone there rather than just taking in the messages and just, just using, especially in conversations. It's one thing I've learned in podcasting that, you know, as you're talking, actually listen to what you're saying rather than just waiting for my turn to say something stupid next, you know? Like, well, I think it's what we talked about at the beginning about being yeah. authentic and real, right? Go. So if you're being authentic with people, they're going to listen. Sure. When you're being fake and you're just, you know, speaking from theory or whatever, and it's not real, people are going to tune out. There's just this natural affinity for people to want to be around authentic people authenticity is huge because we're naturally attracted to it right? I, agree. Like, I agree one of the one of the funniest statements is um that i ever hear that people say is let me tell you the truth no are you gonna lie to me <laughs> you know honestly speaking i go no are you gonna lie to me <laughs> i always laugh at these statements like well you have an intention of lying to me other times you know but if we could if we're the I, i've always believed this and i had a, one of my mentors uh said this to me he said and i'll never forget this he goes franco and there's a time where i couldn't be a there's, a there's a time i couldn't wear glasses i had to wear contacts and no one knew i wore glasses for years i was embarrassed i had to have my i had to look a certain way i had no freedom to be myself and then i had a mentor who said to me this he goes franco you are what you look like i'm like what you think who you are is what you look like. And I'm like, what? Yeah. You think who you are is what you look like, and it's not. This is just a skin bag, body that takes care of your soul. It's nothing. This is just what you look like in this world. It means nothing. Sure. But you think it's you. You think it's your identity, and it limits what's possible. Limited because you're not willing to be open and vulnerable now. Like, it was like. He just threw a bucket of cold water on my head. And it, in that moment, I realized, wow, I realized all the times being worried about what I look like was limiting me. Yeah. And my body had to look a certain way. Back then I had hair. My hair has to look a certain way. I can't wear glasses. I can't have people think of me wearing glasses. Like it was crazy. I, I put myself in this bubble of inauthenticity because I thought that's the way I had to be. And project myself versus just being authentic and real and see what happened yeah yeah no uh i mean this kind of this is not exactly 100 percent relatable but i remember when i first started losing my hair and i just started to start shaving my head and i was 20 
23, 24 when I started losing it. And that one of the biggest things I was so worried how people would look at me and accept me for, you know, not actually having hair again. And yeah, it, I don't know. It just, it was one of those things I had to overcome. Yeah, totally. No, yeah. But we we yeah. get attached to our look and we look, we, yeah. we think it's us and it's not, it's just this, you know, it's whatever it is. Yeah. And I got, I guess I got lucky and I just have a good shaped head and it just started. You do. Yeah. Actually, you're in your life. I got friends of mine that they're losing it and I feel bad for them because they have square heads. It doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> you need a round head. But that, that, that was one of the things that, uh, yeah, I just thought because, you know, again, going back on the educational part of it where, you know, I had some professors say that, you know, when you walk into an interview, the first thing they're going to look at is just your appearance, right? And just almost immediately then decide if you're going to get the job or not. And I remember just, man, what are people going to think or whatever? Just because, you know, and I don't know why it did occur to me, you know, like actual superstars, you know, like Michael Jordan, The Rock or whatever, people who've been shaving their head for years, just like, oh, well, they're cool people. They're doing pretty good in life and just... But yeah, it was just, I had to get, again, get out of my own way and just worry about, and not, and I, I hate myself, well, not really hate myself, but never understood why that I took so much, I, I don't know, so much effect into like, oh, how my house, my parents going to be and what is, why would I stop worried about what the rest of the world's going to think? And like, that's a good point that you said, it's just a skin bag, right? Your soul is just what's in there. So. Well, this goes back to what we talked about earlier. The more you identify with yourself as who you are is really who you are sure. versus just this thing and you can't separate the self from the ego because that's all that's just ego that's all ego that's all that is when you can separate those two then you know look then you then you learn to use your looks versus it using you so what my what that guy said to me goes franco when you learn to use your looks versus it using you you'll be free i like that oh I like that. So your yeah. looks, you can, like, for example, you're going to go to a board meeting. Okay, good. How do I dress in a board meeting? Not because I have to dress a particular way. It's because the board meeting requires this. And then I can choose that or not choose that. It's up to me now. Like there's people, for example, that will refuse to dress nice. Why? Because they think that's their identity. Well, hmm. I'm not sure that's right or wrong either, right? But when you can use uh, what you look like or anything in the world, Versus it owning you. So whenever you're, here's a great, a, a good lesson I learned. In life, either something or or someone is using you, or you're owning it. Oh. And when you can own it, you're free of it. And when it's using you, you're a slave to it. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And if you're a slave to it, then you're stuck and you're imprisoned by it. But when you're owning it, you're free of it. And you can choose it or not. You can pick something else or not. You're the, you're at the you're at the source of it. Yeah, that's kind of going back to being self-aware and just wondering if you are yeah. to it or you're owning it. But just in you know, that makes so much perfect sense that just having that type of freedom that it's almost it's a completely different feeling than I don't know, it's one of the best, probably one of the best feelings in the world is that freedom. 100 percent yes I, I think it's part of what it is to be human what it is to be human is to be want to be free and to want to both time money money wise time wise free of the of the ego just freedom yeah. right in general i think is what it is to be human i think that's kind of like how we're designed did you i know you started you know being an entrepreneur at 22 but 
was did you know then there was no way that you probably could work for somebody else that you wanted to be? <laughs> I, I, I learned that at 17. So I was I went to work for a bank. It was a summer. And at night, I played soccer. And during the day, I was working as a bank teller, right? Sure. And so, but they make you, back then, you had to stand up. So I won't mention the name of the bank. It's a big bank. And they made you stand up, you know, all day, eight hours. But at night, I was I was tired. So I went to the bank manager and go, listen, can I sit down? This is like crazy. And she said, no, we can't sit down. Bank policy. I'm like, but it's inhumane. Why can't I sit down? I'm tired. I got to play soccer. Tonight. No, can't do that. All right, whatever. She goes on holiday. <laughs> so I decide to bring in a stool. <laughs> when she goes, she's gone for three weeks. So I bring in a stool and I said, no. And after a couple of days, the lady beside me, she brings a stool. And then the next person, and then by the time the bank manager came back three weeks later, we all had stools. So we're sitting down on these stools and we're serving the customer. We're doing a great yeah, job. Yeah, it's perfectly yeah. fine. She goes bananas. What are you all people doing using still? This is unacceptable. Who? Well, how did this start? What happened? Of course, they all blame me. So she calls me into the office and I go, look, we used to agree that being, <laughs> that job wasn't for me and I left. <laughs> and we agreed that, you know, I'm not going to work there anymore. We made it, uh, an amicable decision. But in that moment, I realized, this is crazy. I'm not going to work for somebody. This is insane. I got to follow their rules and what they say. And if they don't make sense, I'm stuck with them. No, thank you. Wow. That was the last time I had a job, 17. I like it. I like it. <laughs> no. Nah, well, I think it's a good way to take this podcast home right there on that, Franco. <laughs> I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're getting kind of short on there, but uh, I appreciate your wisdom and your messages that you dropped here. I mean, uh, you're a very enlightening dude. I appreciate it. And uh, But if you have anything to plug or promote, feel free to do that. Yeah, if you're, if you're interested, I'm just going to, first of all, I want to thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. It's people like you that, honestly, and this is not a cliche, it makes the world a better place because you're thank creating you. conversation. Like, imagine, like, I would have loved to hear these kind of conversations when I was in grade school. You know, when I was in eighth grade or ninth grade, I would have loved to hear you. Are you kidding me? My life would have been so different in high school and in college and my decisions exactly. would have been different. And so I appreciate what you're doing because you're going to be influencing a whole generation of people to think in a whole different way. So, and who I like to work with are people that want to build a business. If you're interested in wanting to build a business, make residual income, hey, reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, On Instagram, I'm CavFranco, C-A-V-F-R-A-N-C-O. Just message me on there and uh, we'll we'll hook up and get together and we'll see what we can do. But that's it. So I'm grateful. Thank you. I appreciate you, Uh my friend. And I'm glad I got to meet you. And And uh, maybe we, we'll create a friendship out of this. Yeah, for sure, Franco. You're a badass dude, man. I appreciate it. So I'm glad we did this. So uh, cool. Well, if uh, anything else, any last messages, words you want to give out to anybody? Or are you good? No, we're good, man. And oh, just one thing. One thing. Always have fun, whatever you're doing. Yeah. Have fun. Now that's a way to take this one home right there. All right. We're out of here, folks. See you.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 